0: And the New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. "'Good teacher,' he asked, "'what must I do to inherit eternal life?' "'Why do you call me good?' Jesus answered. "'No one is good except God alone. "'You know the commandments. "'You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery.'" "'You shall not steal. "'You shall not give false testimony. "'You shall not defraud. "'Honor your father and mother. "'Teacher,' he declared, "'all these things I have kept since I was a boy.' "'Jesus looked at him and loved him. "'One thing you lack,' he said, "'go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, "'and you will have treasure in heaven. "'Then come, follow me.' "'At this the man's face fell.' He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Pontus, uh, for reading for us. Um, Good afternoon. It's a real pleasure to be here and a real joy to look at God's word with you now. Um, Before we look at the passage, though, um, I'd like to start by telling you about a rather unusual filmmaker called Petri. Um, Petri decided he had too many possessions in life, and to combat this problem, he chose to put everything he owned into storage, And for the subsequent year, for every day, he just took one item out. Um, That's the way that he lived his life, um, in order to discover what he really needed and what was just junk. So I know it's sort of a a silly experiment, um, and he filmed all of it if he wanted to watch it. Uh, But I think it forced Petri to think about what things really mattered to him in life. It showed him what he treasured the most, And what comforts he couldn't live without. The man that we meet in Mark's gospel was extremely wealthy. He too would have had many possessions. But when he asked Jesus a question about eternal life, Jesus replies with an extraordinary way. Let's take a moment to look at the man because he is an extraordinary man. He is an extraordinary man. So we actually learn a bit more about this rich man from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew as the story is recorded there as well. In their Gospel accounts, he's also described as a young man and a ruler. Rather unexpectedly, though, in verse 17, when this rich man meets Jesus, instead of walking up to him and greeting him, he falls on his knees. He runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees before him. Maybe this was a sign of the man's humility. Or perhaps he realized that Jesus was worthy of his respect. We're also told in Mark's gospel that this rich young ruler was a moral, upright man, as he affirms to never breaking the commandments of the Old Testament law. Have a look down at verse 19. Jesus says to him, You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. But was that actually impressive? I'm sure we might be able to reply and say we too have been able to keep some of those commandments. More importantly, this man seems to be a highly perceptive man. For he knew that something was missing. He genuinely wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. So let's have a closer look at what the man asked for. For it is an extraordinary question. An extraordinary question. So, up to this point, Jesus had been um, traveling around, um, teaching the crowds and healing them. And his disciples were there to watch him do those things. But even they hadn't asked a question as profound As the one the man asks. For his question is one that really matters. It matters to all of us, as it's a question of life and death. It's not a topic we often think of. Um, Maybe that's why the disciples hadn't asked Jesus about it. It might not have occurred to them. But here we have a highly intelligent, perceptive man asking a massive question a question that Jesus hadn't been asked before. Good teacher, he says in verse 17. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Previously in chapter 8, Jesus had already answered the question. As he told the crowds who were following him, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Jesus says to follow him, but we need to remember where he is headed for he was going to be crucified. He predicted it before, and he will go on to predict it after speaking to the rich young ruler. If you want to inherit eternal life, if you want to receive the kingdom of God, well, Jesus says you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. As Christians, we're told we can expect sufferings because the one we follow suffered greatly. But that's not the only thing that Jesus says. Just before our passage, in verse 15, Jesus told the crowd, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child. Like a little child will never enter it. Let me say that again. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So Rob explained at the last 4 p.m. what that meant. For children are completely dependent on those who who look after them. And it's in their nature to be dependent. And the man seems to get it. As he comes to Jesus as someone who knows he's in need, dependent on Jesus, he falls down on his knees before him. But I think he asked the wrong question about eternal life. For he says, what must I do? What must I do? to inherit eternal life. Like it's all down to him and to his efforts. Unlike the little children who do nothing, a man thinks there must be something I've got to do. And we too can easily fool ourselves into thinking we're entitled to the faith that we have. I so often think I deserve to enter the kingdom of God for what I've done. The truth is we must enter God's kingdom on the basis that we've got nothing to offer, that we're a nobody. We can only enter God's kingdom on the basis of Jesus and what he's done. So that's the extraordinary question. Um, the rich man was not simply searching for the key to, happy, to a happy life, but for something far deeper. He showed sort of an earnestness in his request. but He made the mistake of thinking he could earn eternal life by his own efforts. So Jesus then responds with an extraordinary answer. An extraordinary answer. Jesus begins his answer with another question. Verse 18, he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He doesn't seem to be commenting on his own goodness But rather he challenges the man's view on morality. In other words, the man thought there must be something more good that I need to do. Something that will allow me to inherit eternal life. Jesus was saying though, it was a matter of, it wasn't a matter of being good, but rather a matter of what God thought. Eternal life is not down to our goodness, but rather God's goodness. It's not about what we can earn but rather it's about the grace that God extends us. Next, in verse 19, Jesus mentions some of the Ten Commandments. He doesn't list all of them, and we can't be sure why, but I think it's fair to say the ones Jesus does mention allows the man to respond, Yes, I've kept those ones. I've obeyed what you asked of me. What else must I do? Jesus seems to draw the man into thinking he's a good, moral man. One who can uphold the law. But that's not enough. What Jesus goes on to say would have been such a shocking thing for him to hear. Verse 21, Jesus answers the man by, he, he looks at him and he loves him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Did you notice that the man um, Jesus loved the man as he said these words. If you love someone, then you tell them the truth. And Jesus told the man exactly what he needed to hear. Previously in chapter 8, Jesus had said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross. But in a more specific way, he says to the rich young man, Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Deny yourself and you will have treasure in heaven. The rich young man, in verse 22, went away sad because he had great wealth. He wanted to retain his world while still having eternal life. But it's not possible. As Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? If this is true, We can't live um, for this world and live for God. We can't have both. So what choice will we make? A close friend of mine has been going on holiday with another family for years and years. And they spend um, a week by the coast each summer um, and have a great time. Um, But the father of the other family started to go less. He spent more time um, at work and going on business trips. He was a Christian uh, for many years. But unfortunately, in the midst of his success of his business, um, with the wealth that he had amassed, he stopped following Jesus. What will you gain if you gain everything and let lose your soul? I found this really challenging um, as I've looked at this passage and thought, what is it that I'm not willing to give up so that I can follow Jesus? What is so important to me that I give up eternal life? It will differ for all of us, um, and at this stage in my life, I've noticed where I choose to live really matters to me. So as I follow Jesus, am I willing to hand over Um, my dream of having an apartment next to the cam. I don't know what it will be for you, um, but it might be about the future. Are you willing to hand over the ideas you've got for the next couple of years? Whether that's a holiday you've been hoping to go on or a relationship. Jesus is saying we must let go of playing God in our own lives We cannot live for this world and live for God. So as we finish, um, what are the implications for us? In verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Amazingly, next, Jesus says it is so very physically impossible for the rich to have eternal life that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. But being wealthy is not disobeying God. Having a savings account is not sinful. Rather, it is the danger of riches that Jesus is speaking of, how we use the funds that God has given us. That is what we must be wary of. We need to heed this warning. To let go of all and follow Jesus is extremely hard for those who have things to give up. That's why it's so hard for the rich to enter God's kingdom. And I think the disciples also get it with their question in verse 26. They ask each other, who then can be saved? They must have been thinking, well, If this rich and privileged man can't enter God's kingdom, then who can? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus was saying it's not merely hard to be saved, it's impossible. But with God, the impossible is made possible. For God alone gives eternal life, and there's nothing we can do to get it, nothing we can acquire to get into his kingdom. So when Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me, it doesn't mean we try and earn our salvation by our own efforts, like the rich young man. It means we, we need to be willing willing to make certain sacrifices in order to follow him. Because with Jesus, we're no longer to see the possessions we have as our own, even our lives as our own. Rather, we need to be willing to hand anything over to Christ in order to follow him. Philip Jensen, a rather forward Australian preacher, said, Becoming a Christian is like filling in a blank cheque and getting God to fill in the details. The implications are enormous. But did you notice the promise? As Peter exclaims in verse 28, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus replies, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children of fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The call to follow Jesus is a hard one, but there'll be great things to enjoy in this life. We can expect wonderful blessings from God, like a church family that extends further than Cambridge. Homes all over the world where you can find comfort and friendship in. The uncertain treasures of this world are sure to pass away, but the treasure in heaven promised by Jesus will be so much greater. So we can trust in the goodness of God. In his generosity and kindness, God has graciously given us his son, the Lord Jesus, so that we might have life in his kingdom forever. He let his only son die on the cross for you and for me to take the punishment that we deserved. And all he asks from us is to trust in him. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Why don't I say a prayer for us? Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he has secured our future in the kingdom of heaven. Please help us to be willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And we pray these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.